I'm Sam Slater from Fun Calibre, and today I've been joined by David Coombs, manager of the Rathbone Strategic Growth Portfolio. Hi, David. Hi. So, crystal ball time. Let's start with market, shall we? I think I've just seen that the S&P 500 is now almost double what it was at the low last March. So, we've had some pretty amazing stock markets over the last year or so. What's the outlook for equities, bonds, and perhaps other asset classes for the rest of this year? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Uh, what's the outlook? Well, yeah, you're right. The equity markets have recovered incredibly. We've been discussing this team this week, actually, because it is quite quite worrying when you see valuations where they are. We've had, just had earnings season with you know vast majority of companies beating estimates. Not that surprising because you know if you compare to 12 months ago where we were with COVID and you know, companies were very reticent in giving detailed guidance for obvious reasons and, frankly, totally, you know, uh, realistic reasons. So I have no problem with that at all. And I guess estimates were probably on the, you know, analyst estimates were, were kind of on the more conservative, cautious side when there was very little to go on. And so I guess it's not that surprising that companies have been, in some cases, destroyed um, there have been some real highlights, however, with some companies who are even back to sales pre-COVID, which has been phenomenal, you know, in some instances. Um, nevertheless, you know, it is, I think it is quite a good time to just take stock a little bit um, of where we are. Technology companies have recovered again. We've had these huge rotations as well over the last six months, sometimes on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, we, we are a little bit nervous where equities are at the moment. Um, and, of course, the problem being nothing's cheap anywhere else either. So it's kind of the only game in town. We are rotating the portfolios a little bit, taking some profits from some of the companies that have gone up 200% actually in 12 months, you know, and just feel it's it's time to trim a few of those names. And we're kind of trying to look at, I hesitate to say, say value, but certainly look at some sectors that maybe have been weaker over the last couple of months more cyclical type ideas. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. I, I'd love to say, yeah, we're off another 20%, but I think that's probably unlikely. And bond markets, and, and this is the other strange thing, right? You've got the bond markets that are kind of telling you, you know what, there's no real inflation around, there's no real growth around, and yields are really low and sort of grinding even lower. And the equity market at highs, as you just pointed out. So who's wrong? I'm back in the equity market though. You are, okay. At the moment, which is kind of dangerous because the bond market's usually right. So I'm going against conventional wisdom. And you've got some sort of weird and wonderful things in your portfolio. I had a little look through the, the fact sheet um, and just wondered if you could explain what some of them are, please. There was, I think, I found an emerging market FX momentum certificate. What What's that in layman's terms and what does it do for the portfolio? Yeah, um, so... Back in the day, seven, eight years ago, when we were a fund of funds, we used to invest in uh, hedge funds. And one of the hedge fund styles, most people listening to this or watching this will know, is CTAs, um, you know, sort of quant funds, momentum funds, these sorts of funds. And you know, we, we often used to joke that we wanted the CTA without equities because as the CTA funds got bigger and bigger and they needed liquidity, they started adding equity strategies into those funds that often correlates to equity markets, you lost that kind of diversification impact. 
Um, since we've gone directly invested, and as the funds have grown in size, it means that we can now go to investment banks ourselves and, and recreate some of these CTAs um, strategies. And, and the EMFX is one of those. Um, it's probably not the best example. I might come to another couple in a minute. But, but what this one essentially is a momentum trade based on emerging market currencies. And it, and it basically is long the carry, i.e. the interest rate differentials between emerging market currencies and US dollars. And on a long-term basis, we, we, would, we just want to be long of that carry. However, if volatility increases, it switches to becoming short EM and long US dollars. So it is, it is it's, I think, think of it as a hedge fund that's a long, short emerging market currency is the way to think about it. But we're doing it within a structured note um, so direct, if you like, without any fund manager costs and everything else, it's a much cheaper way of getting access to that kind of strategy. So it's Similar- basically trying to make money out of emerging market currencies because you think they're going to rise versus the dollar. But if that doesn't happen, actually, it the reverse trade kicks in. Yeah, so it doesn't happen overnight. It, it, it's a trend follower. So, you know, it takes a few days of emerging market weakness for it to start, switch, you know, like a seesaw, it starts to, you know, rebalance. That's the way to think about it. You know, it's not a diversifier for kind of a collapsed market overnight type thing. It's not there to do that job. It's a long-term, uncorrelated trade, if you like, to, to equity markets. But it is a risk-on trade to a certain extent. Um, I guess the other um, investments in, in, in that space that we own, probably better examples of diversifier, we have a stock dispersion note, which is based around the Swiss equity index, and that's basically your, your long volatility of the equities and short volatility of the index. So if you think about it, the more volatility you get in individual stock names, it makes a positive return. So it's got, again, got nothing to do with the direction of the stock market. It's purely your, your long volatility. And there's lots of reasons why you'd want to do that on Switzerland due to the pension fund buying of the index. Um, there's all sorts of sort of price anomalies where it makes sense to take a stock dispersion note on, on, on that index. Also, it's made up of banks and pharmaceuticals and dominated, and then Nestle, of course. And then finally, one we're just doing at the moment, which I can't talk too much about, but it's it basically where we're going long volatility on interest rates. So again, directionless, doesn't matter if interest rates go up or down, but as we think inflation fears will, will come and go a lot over the next year or so, we think there will be more volatility in rates expectations, and we want to be long that volatility. And again, there are institutional re- the reasons for institutional buyers of, of again pricing anomalies and forward forward interest rates that we can take advantage of um, by by again working with an investment bank to put together that strategy. So it's a really efficient way of kind of creating our own mini CTA, if you like. And you've already mentioned that you think equities are quite expensive, bonds as well. The alternative space is quite interesting. It's sort of it used to be just sort of perhaps property and commodities, but it's grown and grown. And a lot of these alternatives are becoming quite mainstream now. You hear a lot about music royalties, shipping, that type of thing. Yeah. Can you give us a few thoughts maybe on how the alternative space has grown and where you're finding opportunities at the moment? Yeah, so I would question some of those as being alternatives, to be honest. I know that's some people's definition. Uh, They certainly don't meet my definition. So when I think about alternatives, there's three trades I just talked about sit in our alternatives bucket. We do own and have been increasing exposed commodity baskets the last few years because we were as a kind of inflation hedge and also a Brexit hedge, actually. So we still think commodities um, ex-gold play a big part in the strategy at the moment. 
I, I have real problems with, with some of these other alternatives. Like, like you mentioned the music ones, for example. I don't think they're, they're fully tested. Um, I think you, know, you, you look what's happening with um, Taylor Swift with the you know, re-recording of master tapes, you know, trying to understand you know, how secure your rights are and whether there be government intervention and, and, and um, antitrust laws. I still think you know, there's lots of potential idiosyncratic risk you know, are they alternative? I guess they, they, they are in a sense that they're probably uncorrelated versus um, equities per se, although that's, again, still to be tested, to be honest. You know, if you think back, you know, in, in the 35 years or so I've been working, um, you know, people were very excited to buy vintage car funds and, and, and art funds years ago, 20, 20 years ago. And the, and the reality was they were highly correlated to equities during market corrections because, you know, when, when the wealth effect turns negative, people just look to sell what they can. And you tend to find those things you thought were alternative and not quite as alternative as you think. So we're very cautious about these new alternatives. Um, a lot of them are very illiquid as well. Um, and if you get a liquidity squeeze, they're probably not going to do very well. Yeah, even in renewable energy, we would question, you know, how alternative is renewable energy really as it becomes more mainstream? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, for us, alternatives are still pretty traditional, apart from, as I say, you know, trying to recreate these kind of quant-based strategies. We think that's a much better way, more transparent way and, and visible, and a great, you have greater visibility over the future return profiles uh, in those types of strategies. And within your equity holdings, you have a couple of stocks that our, our listeners will know very well. You've got Nike and you've got Shopify. What is it about those two that you like in particular? Well, when we look at any sector or industry, we try to understand, you know, what are the tailwinds for that industry or sector? Because if, if you've got structural tailwinds, it kind of is a less risky way to invest. You know, if you've got a structural headwinds, you can be the best company in that sector. But if if, if, the, if the if that sector industry is contracting, you know, you've got a headwind. So we like to invest with companies that are in sectors um, that have a tailwind. And when we look at retail, yeah, you, know, you might find that strange thing. Well, how come retail's got a tailwind? Well, clearly, e-commerce retail does have a tailwind. And so when we look at you know who are the likely competitors to Amazon. We think Nike and uh, is a you know with its its focus now more on selling direct to consumer through its own online presence through digital marketing, but also coupling that with their destination stores, their proper customer experience type, you know, bricks and mortars. They're combining bricks and mortar with a very very sophisticated digital online channel. We think that's really compelling, and it's a model that you know many could try to to, to meet, but you've got to you need the capital to do it. Shopify clearly allows many brands to retain their brand value and sell directly to the consumer rather than becoming a third-party supplier to Amazon and losing your brand value. So we think it really plays into the future of retail as companies start to think about how do we offset the Amazon effect and impact. So, And we also like Keon, for example, which is – a company that makes kind of the robotic um, arms and, and uh, e for uh, autonomous vehicles in the big distribution centers within retail. I think the Amazon distribution center, next distribution, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're looking at playing retail throughout the value chain 
where you've got this very sophisticated omni-channel. Omni-channel is not just website and shop. It has to be much more brought together and sophisticated. And that's kind of where we want to invest. That's really interesting. Thank you. And if you'd like to find out more about Rathbone's strategic growth portfolio, please visit funcaliber.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast via your usual channel. Please remember we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or to sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of your listening.